I'd like to welcome travelers back. Um, we had, it always amazes me how people can travel 5,000 miles and get back safely. Um, I used to do it every two years, and I was just, just recently thought about, of all the miles that I put on with my work and with going back to see family, you know, I'm still alive. So, yeah, God is good. Well, this message I was putting together, it's probably been six, seven weeks ago, and then I was all about done, and then Terrell called and said, Olaf's going to be in the area, and so he took my spot. And so I'd still like to share it, even though it kind of ties in with a little bit of the lesson today. But I was thinking back then, um, I was hearing about the things that were happening in the world and, you know, the, look up, the redemption draweth nigh, the Lord's going to return. And I was thinking of how that affect our lives, you know, thinking about that. Has our lives changed through it all? And has it? I, I was... the. Probably one of the reasons it's kind of stimulating my thought was campgrounds were coming up, and I kind of put it together. It was 49 years as campground that I accepted the Lord, and I went forward for the first time. And it was on a message that the Lord's going to return. And it's been 49 years later. So go to First Timothy chapter 4. I want to read verse 1. And then I'll go to other verses. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So Paul's telling Timothy here that the Spirit speak expressly that in the latter times, or when is the latter times? They've been saying the latter times all the way back to then. But I think if you look at that word latter times, it's kind of a dispensation. So at the time of Christ, we're in the latter times because the next phase is the end of the world. Well, the end of the world, but it is, it's going to be another thousand years after Christ returns and, and there's great tribulation and so on. But we are in the last of the last uh, dispensation that God has had in store. In this, in thinking of the latter times, it says some shall depart from the faith. And I guess that's what I wanted to, or was thinking about, and I want to encourage with, the, with you, is knowing that we are living in the latter times, how does that affect me and the church? How does that affect us getting together, knowing that we're in the last dispensation? Knowing that 
um, in verse 13 of, of 2 Timothy, it says that things are getting worse and worse. And we, we talked a little bit about that in Sunday school. Things are getting worse. So how does that affect me? Have I put up any kind of guard against the evil that is coming? It says, in the latter times, many, some shall depart from the faith. So that's referring to they did have faith. They did believe in Jesus. They did have a conviction for what the truth was. They did know what the truth was. And then it says that they departed from that, giving heed. In other words, give attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. And it's not the doctrine of the devil. It's devils. It's, it's in all forms of people and life and spirits and and so on. We're bombarded daily, and it's just going to get worse as time progresses. So have we put up a guard against that? Are we prepared to stand for the truth? Uh, it was in our Sunday school class. It talks about many shall depart from the true, from the true faith. So why? Why are people... Why will people be led away from the truth? I think there's kind of two ways when it says departing from truth that we can think about as, as we progress throughout the message. But you can look at it two ways. You can go from the truth by following after the, the trends of the world and going from... Uh, somebody mentioned church shopping and continue to look for something better that fits your needs and depart from that. And another way we can think, I think we can depart from the truth, is that we can start focusing on our own righteousness and saying that I've got to do this I've got to live this pure life, and we set our standards so high, which I will talk about a little bit later, but that's also departing from the truth. So what is the truth? It's Jesus Christ alone and him crucified coming and giving us eternal life. Anything outside of that is not truth. So people know the truth and walk away from it or people don't know the truth and are just following what other people say. Seducing spirits, imposters or misleaders or deceivers, they're all out there. Just look at the, go online, YouTube. You'll find all kinds of teachers teaching the scripture and you hear them talk and you think, how do they come up with that? And you have, I don't know if you've ever had a thought cross through your mind and you wonder, well, who put that thought there? Could it be a spirit, a, the devil speaking to you as far as, is there really a God or is, 
is this all a fake? And, you know, you can go on and on and talk about um, different thoughts that come into your mind, and I'm sure they're all different. And then you have doctrines, teachings that is opposite of God's truth. And so we have the truth of the scripture, and then we have people, and Paul had a concern way back then that people would come in and deceive the people. Well, we're living in the end of this dispensation, so it's going to get worse. So I think we're bombarded more and more, and I think we, need, as Christians, need to be aware of the deception that the world progresses. First Timothy, Second uh, Timothy three one and nine. I'd like to turn to that. I think this is the key to being um, led away, to be drawn away. There was, uh, in thinking of being drawn away, I like to compare it to a husband and a wife. You know, when they get married, you see a couple just so happy, and they commit their lives to each other, and they, they, they just love each other. And I love that to watch. But it seems like so many um, of those experiences don't end up well. And why is that? You know, they've made the commitments, but somehow, over the course of time, they start parting ways. They start going their different directions. And you, you say, well, lots of times you don't see it until, boom, one of them files for divorce or one runs off with another uh, person and so on. You say, well, how did you get there? It's the same way with the Christian life. You know, we make that commitment and we're excited to walk with God. But somewhere down the line, we, lo- we can lose that. So what causes us to get there? Well, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says this, Know also that in the last days, again referring to the last dispensation, Perilous times shall come. In other words, it's going to get worse and worse, and it's going to be hard. The Amplified would say hard to deal with. So we're going to get very discouraged with life around us. It says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, Incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Yanez and Yambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobates concerning the faith, 
but they shall proceed no further for their folly and shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was also. The, the key verse, I think, to this whole verse is men shall be lovers of their own selves. You can talk about covetousness. You can talk about um, lusting and desiring after things that are ours. You can talk about braggers or boasters. You can talk about uh, being proud, lifting yourselves up above others, appearing better. You can talk about blasphemers, misrepresent others to benefit self, being boastful, proud, blasphemer. All these are a result of lovers of self. Being unthankful, being unholy, choosing that which is wicked, without natural affection. In other words, what is a natural affection? It's to love, to be sociable, but yet we turn away from that. Truth breakers, false accusers, all these that we have read all come from a result of loving self. So if I was to say that what's the key to driving a wedge between me and my spouse is the lover of self. It's suddenly we don't see things eye to eye. We don't do the way we didn't. He didn't. He wasn't that knight in shiny armor, I guess. And it's the same way with God. We can make that commitment, but self drives a wedge between us and and God. And these are the things that I think that I want to encourage you with. Now, Paul mentions this about pleasure of loving self, having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He's not talking with the the people of the world. And then you would think that's who he, he was talking to. But it's not. It's within the brotherhood. And that's what we need to be really encouraged with. And that's sad to see Christians putting a wedge between them and God. And it happened, and it can happen so subtle. Having the form of godliness, in other words, to appear that I'm all right, that I'm following after God, say the right things at the right time. Um, Some people are good at that. Appear that you have God's approval. But then it says denying the power or to reject the power of godly of godliness. To reject the power that we have as Christians, to reject the the power that comes with salvation, and that's the Holy Spirit coming within us. And giving that power within us to change our lives to where God wants us to be. 
God has that power to do that. But how do we deny the power when we are living for self? And I think, you know, you have area where you might be struggling with, with anger or with um, whatever it may be. And you try to do it on your own to take care of that, to conquer that. And you can't. And so all your life you're struggling with that. When God says, you have the power in me through the Holy Spirit to conquer that, but we don't claim that because of why? Because of self. We enjoy that. We say, well, that's, I, I, I find pleasure in that. When I'm um, bored or whatever it may be, I find pleasure in doing whatever I want to do and then afterwards feel guilty. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So in other words, read all kinds of books you want. Read, read books of how to conquer habits, bad habits. Read books how to have a close relationship with God. Read, always learning, but never coming to the point where you give your life to Christ and say, I'm finished. I think this whole thing of control is an area that we, we all struggle with. I want to control my life. I don't want to go... <laughs> I don't want to go somewhere where God says go. Um, I don't want people telling me what to do. I don't want to have people look bad on me, so I, I want to control my home so people look good on, at me. I want to control my life in the workforce because I want to be successful, so what people think about me. I want my children to grow up well because of what people will think of me. There comes a time in life, all of us have to give our life to Christ and say, here, it's yours. And so what? If someone doesn't feel, might think we're a little crazy. It's not what men think of us, it's what God thinks of us. There, there's uh, two mention in this verse about Yanis and Yambris, and he mentions this as Yanez and Yambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Well, this is the musicians that when Moses said would had a snake, they could do the same thing. And when, they, when Moses made 
flies, they could do that too. But the difference, the difference was that Moses had power over the magicians. So do we see the deception in, in life? You know, people can have the form of godliness. They can say the right things, but do we see the, the spirit behind that? Are we mature enough to know that? You know, there are two kinds of deceived people, those that never knew the truth and those that knew the truth and left it. Which camp are you in? Why are we drawn to false teachings? Why aren't we happy with what we've been taught? Well, I would like to share a few things. There's a lot more that could be said, but this morning, are you satisfied in your Christian walk? Do you find yourself filled? Are you enjoying your Christian life? Do you have friends who you can talk to, pray with? Or are you empty? Are you frustrated with your Christian life? Are you uh, frustrated with people around you? Are you frustrated with the ministry? All this... This emptiness, this frustration, if someone would come up to you and say, here's the answer, follow me, would you do it? People do. So how can we deal with this? I think the the answer is who's your greatest friend? Love not the world. The the see how did this verse say? The lovers of pleasures. And as I think the pleasures is not in, you know, having a lover of going Uh, playing sports or going fishing or whatever it may be. But the lover of pleasure is is what you love. What brings you pleasure into your life? So you're saying, I can't enjoy the pleasures of life? Well, what do you love the most? What would you miss spending time with God for? What would you miss... Um, sharing with a friend over. What would you what would you do to miss fellowship with other Christians? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And that's That's the whole thing of having a personal relationship with God. 
we need that. So how do I get that? How do I come to a, where I can say I have a personal relationship with God? What does all that mean? So you're frustrated. Who do you go to? Well, a friend. Someone that's frustrated also. If you feel empty, who do you go to? That's the key. You've got to go to God for all this. And it's done through fellowship with other Christians. It's through having a Christian friend that you can share your frustrations with and have them pray for you and you likewise with them. I think that's where the accountability groups are good. But it's having a friend that you can be encouraged with, but that friend cannot replace God. God is the first. He's the one you go to and say, Lord, I'm frustrated with this individual. How do I deal with it? And somehow he does. Helps us through that. Another um, area I thought of why we feel empty is maybe our cup is full and we can't get any more in. We say, well, how can your cup be full and still be empty? Well, there's no life. You ever, <laughs> you ever been to the seen pictures of the Dead Sea? I mean, there's no life there. You could float on the, the minerals. Is that how we are in our lives? We're taken in, but not giving out. We want to be encouraged, but we don't want to encourage others. We want other people to bless us, but we don't bless others. I like to have people come into my house and help me with my responsibilities, but do I go to other people's houses and help them with their responsibilities? I think when we turn inward, then that's when we start um, becoming stale and frustrated. It's because we have turned inward and all we think about is us. Lover of the self. We take in, but we don't give. And I think in this turning inward, we start becoming critical of others. We start nitpicking. We start complaining. And we lose hope. We lose faith. And we say, well, this ain't the right place, so I go somewhere else. And after a while, that's not the right place. And you know the, how it is. I liked what one fellow said who had siblings that um, kind of walked out away from the Mennonite um, Anabaptist belief. And, and so, and you can say, well, they're still Christians. You know, they're still going to another church, but are they really Christians if they're not following the scripture? The form of godliness, 
but the inward, they don't have it. Well, um, what was I saying? <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. Oh, yeah. They said that each time their siblings went from one church to another, they put, a, put off something that the scripture teaches to do. And I was thinking that's the process that we can say that is walking away. And then another area I think we become so frustrated and discouraged with in life is we put our standards so high that we can't obtain. And it becomes frustrating. We want to be so holy that we try to do all these things to be holy toward God. When God says all the holiness is, is Jesus Christ in your life. And then the works follow after that. But we start with holiness. We want a, a high standard. And then we start looking around us. And we want others to reach this high standard. And, of course, you all know there's a division and fussing and so on. So let's not be looking at ourselves in the light of other people, but let's look at our lives. My life is I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to be accountable for my life, and so are you. Are you okay with how you, you're living your life? Are you okay with that? Stand before God and say, um, and be accountable for that. I trust we all can shake our heads yes on that. Our righteousness are as filthy rags. So as we live in the latter times, which we are, let's not build museums. I can thank Andrew for this. <laughs> um, talking about Henry Ford Museum, but we, we build our own museums to have people look at us and what we have accomplished in our lives. And so we, we're doing all these things, stocking our museum, instead of people looking at us and saying, well, he didn't accomplish much, but he did love God. He didn't have a love for fishing, but he loved God. He didn't have a love for camping, but he loved God. He didn't have a lot of money, but he loved God and his family. So what's your focus in life? What are you trying to, to accomplish in life? If you're really honest within, with yourself, you have a big influence in your life and a lot bigger than what it should, and me. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Father, we, we do pray for your forgiveness on our lives as we have lived a life of pleasing self in so many ways, and yeah, and I'm truly sorry for it. So I just pray, Lord, that you would um, bless this message and just pray that each one of us will be encouraged 
that as the wickedness around us and the false teachings come in and so on, that we can go to you and to know the truth and to seek you out of what is truth and what is not. So we just pray for each one. Give us all strength that we need as we face oppositions along the way and the temptations that come our way. And we just pray for each one through this. And thank you for being that God who loves us and cares for us, the shepherd of our lives. In Jesus we pray. Amen.